The prevalence and severity of mobile-based compromises continue to escalate in 2022. Perhaps even more interesting is that small and medium-sized businesses perceive the risks to be more significant compared to their larger counterparts. On a more positive note, the rise in compromise has also seen a rise in cybersecurity budgets among 77% of respondents to the Verizon 2022 Mobile Security Index report. The research found that companies are now spending more evenly across the five National Institute of Standards and Technology cybersecurity framework. With 2023 just around the corner, 77% of respondents expect budgets to increase in the coming 12 months. Future CISO spoke to Don Tan, Senior Director for Asia-Pacific at Lookout, for his take on the evolving mobile security landscape in Singapore and other ASEAN markets. Don, thank you for joining us on Podchats for Future CISO. Thank you, Alan, for having me. How would you describe the state of mobile security awareness, not just in Singapore, but around the ASEAN region? I think the state of security awareness is getting better. There has been a lot of coverage around the media in terms of phishing attacks or potential hacking attacks that has been become regular state of affairs. But um, what we do see is that, you know, other than this news that hits, most people are still pretty much very complacent in terms of, um, I would say, their security hygiene. One of the key things that I think that most people do not realize is that you know a phishing attack is basically an entry point to a much larger uh, exploit and what people don't do not really understand is that today that personal device that they hold in their hand contains a wealth of information it's a treasure trove of information not only about themselves but also about essentially all their work stuff so I think there is still some ways to go, but I think we are, I mean, at least the authorities and media are doing a good job in terms of covering or trying to educate the public in terms of security. If you look at the most common security threats against mobile devices these days, what were they in 2022? Um, I would say phishing is still the most prevalent one for obvious reasons, right? Number one, most hackers today understands that the mobile device is, Um, In terms of security policies, most people do not have any security software. Nine out of ten people do not have any security device on their phone. So it becomes a target point for most hackers as a, think of it as a backdoor, not only into organizations that means corporate data, but also towards trying to um, target individuals. Now, why phishing is so effective on a mobile device as compared to a notebook or a desktop is just because of real estate of the screen size. You know, in a desktop or a laptop, you have screens of between 13 to 32 inches and it's easily spotted if a link looks suspicious. Where else, when it comes to a mobile device, the real estate is so small, right? The biggest phone you have is what? 7.6 inches. Most of us do not or will not even kind of scroll all the way to the end, right, to really understand. And even if we do scroll all the way to the end, it gives you bite-sized chunks of readable URLs. And most of us won't even, will not be able to put that together. So that makes phishing very effective when it comes to mobile devices. Okay, if we look at the corporate side of things, why is it important to secure mobile endpoints? And what does it do beyond the perimeter security to help employees to be more productive and at the same time safe? Think about it this way, right? Um, in the last couple of years, uh, I mean, since COVID, um, COVID has kind of accelerated the adoption of work from home, work from anywhere, work from any place. And 
the mobile device have played a critical role when it comes to enabling this remote workforce. Studies have shown that pre and post COVID, we have spent annually more than 25, there's a 25% compounded growth in terms of mobile phone screen time, right? Today, an average person spends about four hours a day on their phone, about four plus hours, depending on country to country and region to region. So the enabling of a remote workforce was driven by necessity, driven by the business when COVID hit. Today, it has become normal, become mainstream, whereby most employees would be able to access corporate information from a mobile device any place, anywhere. In terms of this uh, security service edge, what is it and what are the benefits that it brings to an organization? So think about secure service edge as the next evolution of security, whereby uh, if you look back 10, 20 years where uh, the corporate perimeter basically is confined to within that four boundaries or that four physical boundaries of your office, you essentially knew where your applications are hosted. All your internal users are trusted and safe. But of course, that has changed, right? To an extent that in the world we live in or the post-COVID era that we live in today, applications can be hosted anywhere. It could be on a cloud. It could be on a co-location data center in some other different part of the world. You know, your users could be working from you know multiple geographical locations. Secure Service Edge was a evolution of security that really helps address this, whereby you're not just defending the, the physical boundaries of your infrastructure, but you're actually protecting where the data goes, who the user is, and what it is consumed from. So what that means is that you have the user, which is the who. You have a device that is a what, assessing an application that might be a where. Where meaning that it might not necessarily be within your corporate perimeter. But by being able to link these three vectors together and applying a unified security policy to it, it helped company protect data end-to-end and also controlling who and whom is consuming this data and what. So in terms of uh, security service edge platforms and its uses, where are we in terms of the use of, or the adoption of SSE? I think adoption is still in the infancy stage. Uh, a lot of organizations today are still exploring, a lot of which uh, essentially SSE or the secure service edge is still a pretty new thing for companies, most of which have just came out of COVID, there's still a lot of evaluation going around this. There are some early adopters. And what is driving this initiative is that, and again, you know, there's a lot of news that hit media uh, with regards to data leakage. Data leakage, regulatory requirements, regulatory focus is pushing companies towards evaluating SSE-like solutions. What's your recommendation for organizations looking to consider this, looking to consider SSE solutions and how would they go about selecting what is right for them? Any recommendation, it would be if you are looking at a provider, the first thing to look at is that um, the offerings come as a single platform that's native to the cloud. You see, as with all buzzwords, companies race to try to fit products and solutions into their buzzwords. And a lot of time, it's, uh, it's like a jigsaw puzzle where they try to plaster stuff together and deliver a solution or piece together solutions to deliver it to a customer. I think the, uh, the key thing to look at is 
whichever vendor you are evaluating, it has to come with a single platform that has multiple modules. Modules can that can address uh, each of your specific requirements and then allow you to scale. So what that means is that you know you should be looking at a complete end-to-end coverage when it comes from you know whether is it the solution that comes with an endpoint, the solution that's able to manage cloud, the solution that has the ability to manage on-prem or public cloud applications, uh, and a solution that's able to address data leakage. Um, I think end to end, these are the four main fundamental components on any SSE solutions. Uh, again, as a lot of vendors try to raise to piece together a solution, most of which are piecemeal. Uh, there are a cu- couple of vendors on the market that do offer this end-to-end, right? And that's the key thing to know that uh, in order to successfully deploy any SSE initiatives, a single platform would give you that kind of scalability and flexibility to really grow. When I hear the word single a, um, say a, a vendor that can provide end-to-end. The, the first thing that comes to mind is vendor lock-in. The second one is whenever I'm on the topic of security, I always hear the recognition that no single vendor can provide complete end-to-end security. So that goes against what you are suggesting though, or is SSE a different technology altogether when it comes to end-to-end security? So you're right uh, in a way that traditionally we have always spoken about most security professionals have always pitched the best of breed solutions whereby you take the best of everything, try to piece it out into a solution or you know try to piece it out into a solution and get it deployed. But um, the, te- the challenges we face today, right, is when it comes to the world we live in today, there is a lot of moving parts, right? Moving parts meaning that besides the SSE solution, you know, you have considerations of, you know, your cloud service providers you are using, uh, what kind of SaaS solutions you are using, what kind of endpoints are connected to the SaaS, you know, what is running in your traditional data center, that means how, how do I integrate into legacy systems, right? So SSE centers around all of this. So that single platform then becomes the controller that integrates all of this together. While as complex as it sounds, so think of it in this way, if, if a customer were to go out to look at you know, a solution that manages the, their endpoint, another solution that manages their cloud access, uh, another solution that address zero trust, another solution to address DLP. Now, you just made this whole situation a whole lot more complicated bearing in mind that you still have to figure out first and foremost, how do you integrate these four different solutions together? After which, how do I get this whole integrated uh, working model to be to get it interoperating with my existing clouds, my SaaS providers, my endpoints, and my legacy data centers? Hence, why I'm recommending a single platform. So a single platform removes that complexity and let you focus on what is more important. Being a single platform, it allows you to create single policies. Right? Single policies that is applied across all the various modules and and again i use the word modules instead of products where traditionally we look at breast of breeds we have four different products integrated to deliver a solution today you have a single platform with four different modules the beauty about having a single platform solution is besides having a single pane of glass for policy creation reporting logging forensics it just makes access configuration and deployment so much more easier and I guess it also means that it's an easier uh, uptake for the people that have to manage this because it's only a single technology as opposed to four different technologies that they have to think about, be familiar with, and then trying to make them work together as a single technology or platform. 
Exactly. And um, I think you hit the nail on the head, right, Alan, is that, you know, if you look at most traditional security architectures or how most security teams are built up in in most companies is that you have a guy that handles the endpoint, you have the guy that handles the data, you have the guy a guy that handles the application that sits on the cloud or in the data center, you have a security guy that administers the cloud. Getting four products to work together is a really a challenge. Tap on top of that, you know, having four different teams of people trying to configure this and trying to decide who is going to do what, it just adds so much more complexity into rolling out an SSE solution. And I can just imagine if something goes wrong, there'll be a lot of finger pointing around just <laughs> trying to solve something. Last question for you on this pod chat. In all of our discussions around SSE, the Security Service Edge, what does Lookout bring to the table? Um, I think while there are a lot of vendors on the, this particular market, so a lot of companies have pivoted themselves towards SSE. Uh, again, this is the password right now. Um, I think how we do it very differently as compared to everyone else is that I like to think of us as a security company with infrastructure, where else uh, the most of the vendors on the market are infrastructure companies with security. So what that means is that Loka as a company started out 15 years ago and we today own one of the largest data sets of known mobile threats in the world. So with this data sets, we then take this data sets and we kind of build an infrastructure around it to deliver an SSE solution, whereby most of our competitors have built an infrastructure, an SSE infrastructure, and then they have bought data sets from third-party vendors. Don, thank you for joining us on Podcast for Future CISO. Thank you, Alan, for having me. It was great being here. That was Don Tan, Senior Director for Asia-Pacific at Lookout for his take on evolving mobile security landscape in Singapore and other ASEAN markets. You are listening in Podchats for Future CISO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CISO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CISO. Bye for now.